I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Thursday, May 13th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and for Karen Brown, this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a leading pediatrician responds to the approval of the Pfizer vaccine for 12 to 15-year-olds. Then, with vaccination rates declining statewide, we examine hesitancy in a rural majority white community. Plus, we hear from the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health on the special enrollment period for health coverage through the ACA Marketplace. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Parents in Mississippi can begin scheduling a coronavirus vaccination for children ages 12 to 15. The Pfizer coronavirus vaccine has received emergency use authorization from the FDA and has now gained approval by the CDC for use in the adolescent age group. The decision comes at a time of declining vaccination rates in the state. Health officials say around a quarter of the state's nearly 3 million residents are under the age of 16. Dr. Anita Henderson is president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics. She tells our Kobe Vance the authorization means clinics and hospitals already offering the Pfizer shots can begin vaccinating eligible children now. We um, have hospitals, we have the health department, we have private clinics who are ready to start scheduling our patients to go ahead and get that Pfizer vaccine. Yeah, and and this is specifically the Pfizer. What do you think the uptake is going to be like? Do you think a lot of parents are going to go out to get their children vaccinated, or do you think there there, uh, might still need to be some conversations to be had? Nationally, they have done some um, research to find out the interest, and about half of the adolescents out there are very interested in getting the vaccine themselves, and about half of parents are interested in getting their children vaccinated. So we have patients, particularly high-risk patients, patients who might have asthma or diabetes or they may be immunocompromised in some way, those patients are very excited 
about the possibility of getting vaccinated. Understandably, we have some parents who want more information. They may have questions, and they may want to have that discussion with their pediatrician or their family practice doctor about the benefits versus the risks of getting this Pfizer vaccine. So we are prepared to talk with our patients and educate them so that they can make an informed decision. When it comes to the vaccine in this age group, was it found to be safe? This vaccine was found to be safe in the 12 to 15 age group. The safety profile was similar to that in the adults where the most likely um, side effect was a sore arm, fever, chills, um, body aches, those sorts of symptoms. And those symptoms were higher with that second dose compared with the first dose. The exciting thing about the Pfizer vaccine in the adolescent age range is that it was found to be 100% effective. And so um, can parents start to go out and uh, get those vaccines scheduled right now? Parents can go to the uh, Mississippi State Department of Health website to find vaccine providers near them. They can schedule those uh, vaccines through the portal and through their local clinics as well as local hospitals. The Pfizer vaccine, unfortunately, is sent in um, shipments that are over a 1,000 vaccine doses per shipment. So some of the smaller providers, some regular pediatric offices are not going to be able to use that large amount of vaccine. So not every pediatrician, not every family practice doctor is going to be able to have this Pfizer vaccine just based on those shipping requirements along with the storage requirements. How can this begin to change the lives of young Mississippians who have, up until this point, not been able to qualify for a coronavirus vaccination? Our adolescents, our teenagers, have done so much this last year in terms of school. They have been virtual. They've been in person. They've been hybrid. And getting vaccinated is really going to be one step towards moving to a more normal school year this fall. For instance, children who are fully vaccinated against coronavirus would not have to quarantine if they were exposed to a classmate or a teammate or a family member who might have tested positive for COVID. So getting vaccinated is a great way to have a more normal school year this coming fall. And so when it comes to the actual vaccine, is, is there anything different that they're giving children versus what they're giving the adults when it comes to these uh, Pfizer coronavirus vaccinations? The Pfizer vaccine for 12 to 15 is the same vaccine that's given to adults. It is a two-shot series given three weeks apart. And so when it comes to, you know, kids going back to their regular activities, uh, could this be an an opportunity to look at, you know, having more uh, sports events, more extracurricular activities, and uh, possibly having school in the fall without masks? This would absolutely help us to have a more normal school this fall without masks. This would also help teammates, um, sporting events, um, extracurricular activities to all happen in a more normal fashion. We want sporting events to have full stadiums and and full gyms, and we want all children to be able to do all the things that they love that are so important to their mental health, their physical health, their social health, their emotional health. And having this vaccine available for our adolescents 
is the next step toward moving past and moving through this pandemic. And now I did want to address an ongoing myth that's happened throughout the pandemic is that children are immune to the virus already. Is that accurate? Children are not immune to coronavirus. We know that children are contracting it. They oftentimes are asymptomatic when they have it. In fact, last summer there was a study done by Dr. Hobbs at UMMC that found that the actual rate of coronavirus in kids was up to 10 times what had been actually tested, and that was based on antibody samples. So we know that coronavirus is happening in kids. In fact, in the last few weeks, we have seen an increase in the number of cases that are under the age of 18. We think part of that's attributed to the fact that more um, older people um, have been vaccinated, so that is moving the new case count into the lower age range. But we're also seeing younger people hospitalized, younger people having complications from coronavirus. So the vaccine is really the way to prevent disease uh, and to prevent the complications from coronavirus. Uh, In our conversations previously, you mentioned that children had to have a time period between when they got their shots. Um, Does the the CDC still require uh, that time gap before children can uh, get other, other vaccinations? The CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics just came out with new recommendations regarding um, co-administration. So now they are not requiring a 14-day window between administration of the COVID vaccine and other vaccinations. That is good news for adolescents who are oftentimes coming in for boosters. They will be able to get vaccinated with coronavirus along with a tetanus booster, or a meningitis shot at the same time. So that is great news with regards to um, co-administration of other vaccines. I wanted to ask about, you know, there's still another age group, uh, there's still younger age groups that are uh, that are not qualifying for the coronavirus vaccine. Do you have any idea when, when those uh, next age groups might be added, um, or do you think it's still going to be a while? We have heard that those younger age groups may be added this fall. There are several trials ongoing with Pfizer and Moderna in those younger age groups, and we anticipate some data from those trials later this summer, and we may possibly have an indication in the fall. And when Dr. Anita Henderson is president of the Mississippi chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and she's a pediatrician in Hattiesburg. Dr. Henderson, thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Coming up with vaccination rates declining statewide, we examine hesitancy in a rural-majority white community. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. 
Mississippi, along with Louisiana and Alabama, have the lowest coronavirus vaccination rates in the country. That's according to data from the Kaiser Family Foundation. Gulf States newsroom health reporter Shalina Chatlani has been following this story and traveled to North Mississippi to ask people why they were against the shots. She's joining me today to talk about some of those conversations. Hi, Shalina. Hey, Desiree. Thanks for having me. So, Shalina, tell us, where did you go? I went to a small town called Amory. It's less than 7,000 people, and it's predominantly white. I went there because a local community health center called Access Family Health had teamed up with the Meadowood Baptist Church to hold a vaccination event. Oh, interesting. What's the reason they chose that church? Well, hesitancy is a big issue all across Mississippi. The health center, like other medical providers, have been trying to think of creative ways to reach out to people and get them vaccinated. In this particular surrounding county, Monroe County, only a third of people have gotten the shot. And polling shows that often it's not just black communities that are hesitant. It's also often conservative white communities, rural white communities. So the church agreed to open its doors so that hopefully some would feel more comfortable going there to get the shot. Around 30 people showed up. And were people anxious to get their shots? What did they say to you? Well, there was a mix. Some said they always intended to get the shot, but got held back. For example, a couple I spoke to said they looked for a shot before, but couldn't find one, and they got COVID. So they had to wait three months to get vaccinated. Others, like 73-year-old Ruby Knight, said they waited because they weren't sure how the shot would affect their health. She had COVID before. I'm, I'm a retired nurse, got nurses in the family, and they said you keep antibodies for some time. If you get it too soon, it may make you sicker. Didn't want to get too soon and really get sick again. Is that true that you have to wait if you got sick with COVID before getting the shot? Well, the CDC recommends everyone get the shot, regardless of whether you've had COVID or not. But it does say if you got COVID and you received an antibody treatment, you must wait 90 days before getting the shot. I see. So what about others you talked to? What did they say? Well, I decided to go into town because I wanted to talk to other folks who were still undecided. I stopped by a diner called Bill's Burgers, and I spoke to Johnny Braxton, who's in his 40s. My whole family's had it. My my ex-wife had it. My kids had it. My sister had it. They're all fine. So nobody got real, real sick. So I just didn't see the point. Braxton also said he felt very strongly about not wanting the government or anyone telling him he had to get the vaccine. In fact, another person, 21-year-old Gabby Smith, also said that. She was at lunch with her mom and said not even her parents could convince her to get it. Like she said, I'm an adult, so I have my own decision, can make that own decision myself. So I just take that and go for it. Smith said as a young person, she felt like she didn't need to get it. So there are a number of issues that people are bringing up. Do you have a sense of whether this might change or how could it change? That's a good question. And one I asked Dr. Neil Laney, he's the physician at the Community Health Center, Access Family Health, which provided the vaccines for the church event. He's been working with a lot of patients who are hesitant and thinks it's time to implement a type of carrot and stick approach. People want their life back. They want freedom back. I think that if we really have confidence in the vaccine, then we need to not wear masks if we're in, especially outdoors. 
So to be clear, the CDC encourages vaccinated people to still wear masks in public settings because there's still research to be done on how much infected vaccinated people transmit the virus. But Wayne says people in the South really respond to this notion of having their rights and freedoms. And so he says it's important to follow the science, but thinks that getting rid of masks for those who have been vaccinated could be a big incentive. He doesn't think the vaccine could be mandated in the South like other routine shots taken in childhood, but that there are certain other carrots like half-off tickets to ball games that could work. Well, all right. I've seen many of these incentives come up, like a free plate of food for a shot, for example, across the South. So let's see if it works. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Gulf States health reporter Shalina Chatlani. Thank you so Thanks much, for- Shalina, again. Thanks for having me. Coming up, we hear from the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health on the special enrollment period for health coverage through the ACA marketplace. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're a parent on the go but still want to stay informed about your children's education, subscribe to Mississippi Education Connections podcast and listen on the go anytime, anywhere on your favorite podcast app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The White House is celebrating a public health milestone this week. New enrollment for health coverage through a special period made possible through President Biden's American Rescue Plan has topped one million Americans. The legislation also lowered premiums for nine million Americans who buy their coverage through the Affordable Care Act and also reduced deductibles by nearly 90 percent. Dr. Rachel Levine is the U.S. Assistant Secretary of Health. She tells our Michael Guidry the special enrollment period is one step in the administration's goal of making health care a right, not a privilege. There is a real demand for quality, affordable health care across our our nation, and never more than now as we're struggling with COVID-19. And so uh, through the American Rescue Plan, millions of Americans are seeing reduced monthly premiums, and lower out-of-pocket costs. And so, you know, it's just critically important during this time of of COVID-19. And clearly, healthcare is a right, not just a privilege for those who are wealthy. You bring up healthcare being being a right. You know, Mississippi is a state uh, that early on and and during the the winter months dealt with high levels of hospitalization, high levels of transmission, uh, and then when you look a little bit closer at the data, uh, a lot of connection to comorbidities and pre-existing conditions. Um, our public health officer uh, has recently described Mississippi as a state of illness rather than a, a state of wellness. When we look at the role that pre-existing conditions play, how important is it to make sure healthcare is more accessible when we look at developing and encouraging a a culture of wellness rather than a culture of illness where people only go to the doctor when it's really the last resort. It's very important for people uh, to have health insurance and to have primary care and to have primary care uh, physicians and other medical providers that they can see for preventative care to try to prevent some of these chronic illnesses. 
as well as, as having access for acute care if they're ill. And that could be acute care for many conditions, uh, including, you know, uh, acute evalu- evaluation for something like, like COVID-19. And so that's what I mean, that healthcare is a right, not, not just a privilege. And it's really important for the health of our nation, the people, for people to have access to health insurance um, uh, that is affordable and have availability of preventative care and acute care. The, the Biden administration has prioritized health care and, and access to health care, health care coverage. What other ways is the Biden administration looking to create easier access to health care, especially in places like Mississippi, where uh, there are lots of rural communities with very few options uh, when it comes to receiving health care sure. or receiving uh, well, with the poverty level, receiving uh, adequate, adequate coverage? Sure. So there are a number of different aspects of this. The first is having health care coverage um, and um, and the Affordable Care Act uh, through the Obama administration allowed states to expand Medicaid. Uh, and, you know, I had been the, the, the secretary of health in Pennsylvania. One of the first things that Governor Wolf did in uh, 2015 when we started his administration was to expand Medicaid. And over 750,000 people who did not have health insurance got quality health insurance, including health insurance that is helping them now with COVID-19 and and, uh, also helping with with mental health coverage and substance abuse coverage, which was critical during the opioid crisis. So in addition to healthcare.gov, this is the expansion of Medicaid that we want to make sure that all of the states do. In addition, however, we do need to expand uh, the number of healthcare practitioners um, in in many states in our nation, uh, and we need to do that especially for those uh, vulnerable populations um, in urban areas such as the African American community and Hispanic community, but also uh, to expand access to care and having enough qualified practitioners in rural areas. And we can do that in a number of ways. Um, HRSA. Uh, which is in HHS, works on doing that. Um, uh, and uh, they do that through uh, subsidizing and, and paying for the federally qualified health centers, community health centers uh, to see patients in urban, suburban, and rural areas, but also in terms of different, um, different programs to encourage people to go into primary care. We need more physicians in primary care, but we also need more physician extenders, such as nurse practitioners and physician's assistants in primary care in urban, suburban, and rural areas. And uh, this last thing, uh, since you brought up your time in uh, the state of Pennsylvania as as uh, a, a leader in the Department of Health there, uh, the expansion of Medicaid, uh, the, currently those options are open, but it is up to state governments uh, to opt in or opt out. The, the leadership of Mississippi has elected not to uh, expand that coverage, uh, to take on that option. Uh, what is your message to state leadership uh, in a place like Mississippi that is electing to stay the course rather than expand Medicaid and offer those options to residents? Well, I know in Pennsylvania, when we expanded Medicaid uh, under the Affordable Care Act, it increased the number of people dramatically who could have quality health insurance for medical issues as well as mental health and substance abuse issues. So I think it's really important uh, for all states to carefully look 
um, at the possibility of expanding Medicaid so that many of their, many of their residents can have access to that type of, of, of health care. Um, and so through healthcare.gov, the expansion of Medicaid, um, through um, increasing the number of qualified providers in primary care uh, th- throughout states, uh, the Biden administration is looking to make sure that we can, we can actualize the, the, the idea that healthcare is a right and should be available to everyone. And that is particularly important during, during COVID-19. Um, the final word I'd like to make is about vaccinations. It is so important for people to get the vaccines for COVID-19. We have three safe and effective vaccines available for use. Um, we, uh, the FDA has uh, an EUA that has expanded that to adolescents 12 to 15. Uh, we're now waiting for the CDC's uh, decision on how they're going to recommend recommend that rollout. Uh, but it's really important that everyone have get the vaccine. And the vaccines, no matter what your insurance coverage, are completely free for everyone in the United States. Well, Dr. Rachel Levine, Assistant Secretary of Health for the United States, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and sharing that information with us. Thank you. Take care. According to healthinsurance.org, 97% of Mississippians qualify for reduced premiums. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.